Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Unlike any other paramilitary group, the leadership of the UVF is contained within individuals who all live within a small number of streets in the middle of the shankle. We'd say the eight people who have controlling roles in the UVF all come from these streets. Their parents were known, their grandparents were known, their children and grandchildren are known that they are steeped in the community. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Eight leaders of the East Belfast UVF crime gang have been stood down in extraordinary scenes aimed at cleaning up the image of an organisation now being funded to transition from paramilitary grouping to a community-based political movement. At the heart of the shock cull is the group's links to drug dealing, which has long been a source of funding outside the official state monies being pumped into the UVF since the ceasefire. So what is going on inside the Mafia-style outfit and what does the future hold for the tight-knit grouping from the Shankle Road? Today, we're talking to journalist Hugh Jordan about the UVF and the secret boardroom showdown. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So tell us what is going on in the East Belfast UVF. We're seeing a lot of headlines about it at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of headlines about East Belfast, Nicola, and and some of it is confusing to say the least. Is he in? Is he not in? And of course, they're referring to Stephen Mackers Matthews, the alleged head of the UVF in East Belfast for many years. Certainly the BBC referred to him as that, but he has continued uh, in recent years to deny that he ever held such a position. But we were faced with... uh, quite a remarkable situation uh, a couple of weeks ago now where he was allegedly stood down uh, on Remembrance Sunday at midnight on Remembrance Sunday. So uh, did it happen? Did it not happen? But technically, uh, the the people who were stood down, perhaps Matthews is one of them, uh, they remain members of a paramilitary organisation. So they can't be booted out without being court-martialed first. 
So that remains the situation. Now, something like this has never happened. It usually resorts to violence right away. But my inquiries reveal that uh, this is a something we've never seen before. And I would say the British Secret Service had a hand in this and uh, probably the Irish government as well, because that's the way things are done these days. And, um, and, and the, the, the troublesome UVF and East Belfast, troublesome in inverted commas, uh, because of their connections to drug dealing, uh, needed uh, dealt with because the previous chief constable has said it was his intention to deal with them. And we have a, a bigger problem as we can't get the government up and running because the DUP are in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a could be in hock to the, the for want of a better word, dissidents within loyalism. And certainly the noises coming out of East Belfast prior to the, to the recent developments suggested that they were holding a gun to Jeffrey Donaldson's head. So the, everything was in a stalemate and still is to a certain extent. But we're, there's, there's big hopes for the DUP coming back into government in the near future. But East Belfast was the key to it all. And, uh, so it's kind of a complicated thing. Hugh, for maybe people who don't who don't follow the the ins and outs of 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 what's happening in loyalism up in the okay. north, but I suppose the 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 basic trust of it is the UVF obviously have uh, existed throughout the troubles and it's made up of of various brigades I suppose that split around the country and as as in recent years there have been a lot of moves and a lot of talks with the government um, about transitioning away from from paramilitarism uh, by the UVF. However, simultaneously to that, you'll see the PSNI are putting out press releases every month about, particularly focused on East Belfast, about drug busts, about uh, involving East Belfast UVF, as the PSNI will say at the time. So even as the, the, the UVF or people associated with them are getting funding from the government, um, in talks with various people about moving away from paramilitarism, there's this other section of the UVF that are being associated with, with widespread drug dealing. And that's really what's behind all of this, isn't it, Hugh? There is. That, that, that's, that's largely true. Uh, and it, and it's, tr it's true to say, I mean, it's, it's very complicated for people who, who don't keep up to date. And it's even complicated for people <laughs> to do, <laughs> yeah. believe you me. Uh, but it's true to say, Niall, that the UVF, this is historically interesting, the UVF continued to exist in a skeletal form since partition. Since 1921-22, we still had this organization, strangely enough, more so in rural areas uh, along the border and in mid-Ulster. Mid because you remember Gusty Spence, the founder of... Uh, the, the, the reconstituted UVF on the Shankill Road told me that in 1965, he went to Tyrone to be sworn into the UVF. So it was a, it was, it was a kind of rural thing. But your analysis of what you've just said is, is, is roughly, we have the, we have the, 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 the difficulty of drug dealing. And that has been a, a difficulty for 20, 30 years. But then we have other people within what you would call mainstream loyalism, who have seen the dreadful effects 
of, of drug dealing in their own communities. Every year there are deaths of people who would be linked to loyalism, members of their family. I've attended funerals. I was at one with Stephen Matthews, one of his friends, uh, whom I knew he died. And, uh, and that is, is a major problem for the loyalist communities where ordinary people are complaining to the, the, the loyalist leaders that, that drug dealing is the cause of their problem. And uh, so they're faced with a situation that in order to move into the modern world and accept the government proposals for transitioning, as you call it, um, they, they need to distance the drug dealers and get them out of the communities. And the only people that can do that properly are the PSNI. Mm -hmm. So we have a situation where the grandchildren of the people who controlled the UVF are moving into a much better and more respectable form of representing their communities rather than being drug dealers and gunmen. And Hugh, exactly that point, the age of the leadership of the UVF and those who are getting the funding, I wouldn't mind knowing what sort of funding they're they're getting, but they are kind of that uh, veteran that would believe that they can kind of stamp out drug dealing and, and you know, that sort of old school um, individuals who I imagine younger crews coming up under them, like drug dealing is almost part of their culture. Yes, yes. Um, our photographer sent me photographs today of a funeral uh, of uh, a paramilitary leader called Winky... Um, Winky Ray. Winky Ray, uh, who, whose funeral took place yesterday. Uh, there was a change even in that. Traditionally, the culture on the Shankle Road, uh, Nicola, was for a paramilitary funeral. The whole place closed down, mm. but it didn't yesterday. The Shankle shops remained open. These aging paramilitary leaders were there, uh, but the, the shops in the Shankle remained open and things went on largely unaltered. Um, mm. There were just over 100 people there, including the leaders that we speak about. They were all there. But there's a changing place to, 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 to face the modern world. The Shankle Road and the, and the Falls Road at, at the nearest point are several hundred yards apart. Mm -hmm. But both the prob problematic um, Republican and Loyalist groups who were antagonistic for 30 years have learned to live with each other. They've accepted uh, partition. The IRA has accepted partition and that, 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 that any change ha would have to come through um, through P political means and, and persuasion. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so they're quite happy to work for their communities uh, within each side. As we said, the Republicans are much better at it at the minute. But the loyalists do know that it's the only way forward and they're prepared to accept it uh, with, a, with a handful of a few growlers on the side. What would the kind of mean age group of the UVFB? Are they, are they older? Is there younger people involved? All of the paramilitary groups on, within loyalism have continued to 
Um, They've continued to recruit, haven't they, through the peace process in a way, certainly, you know, there'd be loads of debates about what exists of the the provisional IRA post ceasefire. But I mean, the loyalist paramilitaries continue to recruit, continue to sign people in um, all the way through Mm. it. It has been very different, hasn't it? They always have. And uh, in the Sunday world, within the last couple of weeks, I was writing, uh, we had some inside knowledge of uh, a a meeting of East Belfast UVF, where the the alleged leader was discussing changing with a view to getting their hands on some of this uh, transition money that was available. And his right-hand man said, and what are you meaning? UVF without drugs? That's the reason why I joined it. You know, so... You had that type of culture and still have, but that's particularly an East Belfast problem at the minute. And so they, there, there has been a real, uh, as you said before, there's there's been splits within loyalism, plenty of them, and they've nearly always ended up in 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 feuding and violence and shootings very quickly. For example, the 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 LVF split from the UVF at a certain point and there was huge amounts of killings and, and in the UDA there's been feuds as well. Like that, they seem, there's, but in this occasion that seems to not be happening or there seems to be a big effort to make sure that doesn't happen. How are these two groups going to get along with each other now or what's going to happen? Well, it's interesting you mentioned the, the LVF because uh in recent times, uh, I, I met with a senior UVF man, and he said he made me aware that the current day leadership of the UVF did not want an LVF moment. They did not want uh, East Belfast to be presenting them with a violent uh, alternative, and 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 that is why they have done this in conjunction with, as I say, I would say the MI5, the Irish government. And the PSNI and to another extent the Garda Tricona were all involved in what happened in East Belfast on Remembrance Sunday. Mm. Like what sort of numbers are in the UVF, do you know? You'd be surprised. Uh, the, 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 the meeting at the top of the Shangle Road on Remembrance Sunday, there were 1,000 in excess of 1,000 members. Now, they were, a lot of them were pressed to go to the event uh, because this statement was going to take place. Uh, but they, they can rely on them when it comes down to, you know, as Dominic Behan uh, wrote about the song The Patriot Game, you know, uh, a love of one's country is a terrible thing. Mm. And what sort of, do, do they, wh- how do they f- function these days? What do they do? Do they meet? Do they gather? Um, you know, does the leadership dictate down the, the lines about this sort of no violence, no drug dealing. Yes, there there are all all of these uh, issues are 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 passed and uh, are there was and uh, the the American government have supplied uh, courses in America for representatives of the loyalist community to to go there and and learn how the world of democracy works. Uh, as it was once said to me, you, you get more return uh, from a spoonful of honey than you'll get from a spoonful of vinegar. So that, that's the, the, the modern way of looking at things. And that money we're talking about that they are, you know, been given this transition money. What sort of, I mean, is there a wage in that for the leadership? Is Are they actually earning 
earning money for, for doing it or does the does the money go into the group and into the, you know, like do they meet in community halls nowadays? They can be more open about their meetings and things like that. So have they got that sort of a structure and those kind <laughs> of expenses? Yes, well, money is the key to everything, as, as you say. I mean, I was telling someone earlier today, uh, I was over visiting my Scottish friends in England uh, and I... Uh, they have a farm 15 miles north of London. And I I had been working for Panorama. And it was a Sunday. And I during that period, the, the DUP in particular were pressing the, the British government for more money, massive amounts of money they required. And David Cameron, who was prime minister at the time, was uh, refusing. So it was touch and go what was going to happen. Uh, so when I arrived at my friend's farm, they had just, finished lunch and one of the guests there was a man who only died that last week Alistair Darling former um, uh, Chancellor of Exchequer so we all go for a walk and I ended up walking alongside a guy who was introduced to me as Nick and he said to me Hugh I've had Ulster politics up to here and he pointed to his forehead he said the Prime Minister uh, was pressing me for money last week and uh, I told them, you can give them this money, but it's only a matter of time before uh, they're back again asking for more. So when I got back to the farm, I asked my friend, who was that fella I was talking to? Because he spoke to me about him speaking to the prime minister. And he said to me, you, you haven't a clue. He said, MPs would kill for 10 minutes of that man's time. That's Sir Nicholas McPherson, the head of the British Treasury you were speaking to. <laughs> I, I didn't even know his first name. Uh, but So money is the key to everything. On the radio news this afternoon, I heard an English reporter explaining that when the DUP got up in the House of Commons to ask for money, their Tory counterparts ridicule them by saying in the House of Commons, oh, we're getting asked for more money. <laughs> so they, they see Northern Ireland, uh, they, certainly the British see Northern Ireland as a, a, a draining cash cow. Mm. See, it's a complicated business, isn't it? Because in, in the aftermath of the Belfast Agreement, both governments, the Irish and the British government, agreed to fund, uh, you know, organisations for ex-paramilitary prisoners, for transitioning organisations. And they were obviously associated with either the IRA or the loyalist paramilitaries or or whatever. And that was all legitimately done. These were set up, mm. companies set up, filed accounts. And it's state funds. And it's state funds. And people who were uh, obviously involved in those organisations were being paid and like, continued to be paid wages. Um, yeah. So that's the complicated bit of it. or that That's the straightforward bit. But the complicated bit is that the UVF, for all of their transitioning away from active an active paramilitary war, that the other, the shadow uh, funding was also going on. And it's not as clear to say the, the UVF or not. We're, we're always uh, openly, uh, at least living to an extent of the proceeds of drug dealing. I mean, that is a fact of it, isn't it, Hugh? It's a fact, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, the drugs came in roughly around 30 years ago. Uh, E-tabs were the big thing at that time. And the money was dead easy and no one was being killed apart from the IRA killing a few drug dealers. Uh, so the, the money was easy. They all became quite rich out of it. 
But then the spin-off happened when their children started dying, their, their grandchildren in particular. I mean, every year here, there are deaths as a result of drugs supplied by loyalists. Yeah, and of course, the North uh, in particular has gone through a really, really bad time in terms of drug deaths. Some of it from the kind of more modern synthetic drugs, obviously some of it that, you, that you've written about, Hugh. Yeah. And then there's also been another burst of deaths again uh, around sort of heroin substitutes mm. and heroin. So it's it, it's been ravaged uh, in particular over the last couple of years, I think. Yes, and all the depression that, that it brings as a spin-off, people who would have gone on to live decent lives, end up practically vegetables, you know, and you see on the streets as well, it's it's appalling. It's a major problem. Mm. Uh, money is the key to it, as Nicola says, but uh, it requires these groups to be fully participant in, in, in government strategies to tackle it. Now, I believe there are a lot of people who, who, who want to do that. Uh, they are the majority. Uh, the, the elements in East Belfast that continue to... See, it, 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 geographically, it's different. The river splits Belfast and geographically uh, from East Belfast, which starts at the river, runs all the way to Bangor and Newton Arts. So it was by far the biggest area. Now, what happened on the Remembrance Sunday could not have happened 20 or even 10 years ago. The power of East Belfast and I think they were prepared to go down that road uh, mm. to, to a, 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 an independent autonomous group on their own, maybe give themselves a new title. But uh, they were in control and it was it took that length of time for, for people within these communities. I mean, there is a collective sigh of relief in East Belfast uh, from the communities about what has happened. So tell us who are John Bunther Graham and Harry Stockman? John Bunter Graham is, uh, I think he's 80 years of age now. And uh, I've, uh, I've I've actually never spoken to him, but he saw me one day. I went to Gusty Spence's funeral and I was standing at the side of the church where uh, the coffin was coming out. And, and he was walking along with another UVF man who said hello to me. And I said hello back. And uh, as they passed, I saw John Bunter Graham lean over, and that's the other man who I was. And when I, he looked back to get a second look at me, <laughs> but he was a, 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 as a young man, he would have joined the first wave of UVF men to come in when the troubles erupted. So he's been there that length of time, over fifty years, and he's been in a leadership position for certainly over forty of those years. Of those fifty odd years, he um, he would have he, he would have been involved in terrorism, and he would have been there when the time of the notorious Shankle Butchers, etc. There is a photograph of him uh, where he, as a young man, is standing next to uh, Lenny Murphy and one of his brothers. So he's been there that length of time. But he has stayed the course, mm. which is quite remarkable because, as Niall pointed out, a lot of leaders uh, tend to disappear through internal violence. But he has stayed the course. And as I mean, when the ceasefires happened, that really was only the start of what we're seeing. That, people thought that was the end of something. It wasn't. That was the beginning of something else. And he has stayed the course. But he is making 
has made provisions for when he will no longer be here, which at 80 years of age, you wouldn't be putting the kettle on for a long life. Uh, so he has um, brought a, a very interesting thing about the UVF. Uh, unlike any other paramilitary group, the leadership of the UVF is contained within individuals who all live within a small number of streets in the middle of the shankle, like the three or four streets, the, the, we'd say the eight people who have controlling roles in the UVF all come from these streets. Their parents were known, their grandparents were known, their children and grandchildren are known that they are steeped in the community. John Graham was one of them, uh, and, and Harry Stockman, with whom I've passed a few words recently, um, Harry Stockman is one of those people. He comes from the community, but he's different again. Throughout the, now he played his role in, uh, in, in paramilitarism. He's no slouch when it came to that. And that gave him street credibility. But he continued to work and hold down a, a, a manager's job uh, in, in, in the shipbuilding industry until recently when he took a full-time post within one of these transitional groups. So the, the money, the, the wise money's on him to take over when John Graham steps down. Uh, he, he was he was he was stabbed in recent years in a, he was in outside the supermarket when he was stabbed by a supporter of a man who was allegedly shot dead by the UVF. He was seriously stabbed, but uh, he they, they reckon he will be a safe pair of hands to see it into the future. And what kind of age is he? I would say uh, Harry Stockman, I should know his name, but he's in his 60s. He's, he's in his 60s. And he, he, of course, read out, didn't he famously read out uh, 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 one of the, the statements from the UVF or the Red Hand Commandos, maybe? Uh, both, both. Um, where, where they agreed to decommission a certain amount of weapons. Yeah, both, he did, both, both the mm. both, both the organisations, yeah, you're speaking for them. So um, you, don't, you don't get doing that unless you're... You're a made man. Yeah. And why is he called Harmless Harry? Do you know? Well, the last thing is it's harmless. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know <laughs> the reason for that. Uh, I spoke to him this the day before the coronation. I was uh, on the on the shankle and uh, I, uh, I, 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 I said, hello, Harry, and put my hand out to shake my hand. But he wouldn't shake my hand. He, he said that in one of my reports, I'd accused him of getting a million pounds. Hmm. Uh, and transition money for bonfires. But I was trying to explain that I didn't mean him personally, but he, he didn't want to wait to continue the conversation. But they, they those two, Bunter Graham and, hmm. and Harry Stockman, they will be seen as being the wing that are, that are pushing the UVF towards transitioning further and moving in that direction. W they are indeed. And then, you know, I mean, John Graham's uh, grandchildren are centrally involved in community development in, in this. They've been to America on, on courses. They know how to, 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 to construct an argument and make a point of view. So hopefully we see changes like that. And as I say, on the, a few hundred yards away on the Shankill Road, the, the, the Sinn Féin is, does this type of thing day and daily, mm. and they are they, they now know each other. They they exchange uh, events and, and and conversations with each other. These people all know each other. Uh, 
there is a better future for everyone if they if they follow the government plan. It's very interesting what you say about how the leadership held throughout the decades from that small little area. Those few and still do and still do. I mean, there's a there's a hint of mafia about that in a way, you know. Um, but so, how did they manage to do that? Was it through fear, through loyalty, or was are they in control of the finances and have they been? Well, I think I think you're you're spot on with the finances is the thing. See, the Shankle was. Uh, I remember reading a document. Gusty Spence gave it to me. It's called the Rape of the Shankle. And in in the glory days of the shipyard, uh, there were there were tens of thousands people of thousands of people lived in the Greater Shankle area. But in those three decades, they have been decimated, and the old slums were cleared out. So. The Shankle had that old tradition of you got a job in the shipyard, you didn't need to stick in at school because your grandfather or your father got you a job, and that is the way things they went. They they had they had a tradition of uh, uh, service in the British forces. Uh, they, they 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 do have a genuine affection for the, for the, the the British monarchy, and and that is the type of lives they lead. They they mark things like the the coronation. Uh, when I was talking to Harry Stockman, he was admiring this huge new mural. And the new murals are a million times better than the old ones. And it was a new one of King Charles. So he was standing admiring that. He would have played a central role in getting the money provided to put that up. Uh, they've seen the Falls Road improve. Where it's a much uh, nicer place to live uh, because of of what Sinn Féin politicians have, have chased money to get it better and they've gone down that road without a doubt but the leadership is still controlled in the few in the few yeah which is extraordinary so in other words the UVF is become is it what is it is it currently a community organisation or is it something that's moving to becoming a political organisation the UVF is a paramilitary organisation without a doubt it has all the structures of that, uh, but if you if you have no direct enemy to be fighting, then what's the point of being a soldier when you have no other army to to be fighting? So uh, we we're in a in between situation, a transitional, dare I say, mm. transitional period where it, it is hoped that people who would have been instinctively drawn towards the paramilitary side of things will realise that the only way forward is for uh, to be involved in community politics. Mm. At this level, it is community politics. But it was the Shankill Road, I take you back to the 1960s, the early 60s, when Paisley was first emerging. Where did they try to make a political impact first? It was the Shankill Road when, when they, they, they put up uh, Jim Kilfeder as a unionist candidate and his intention was to remove attempts O'Neill, the Prime Minister, uh, to remove him from power because he was giving too many concessions to the, the Catholic community. And it was on the shankle that that was plotted. 
But there's no doubt, Hugh, even though we're, we're speaking a lot about transitioning and community organisation, all through the ceasefire up until now, the UVF have remained as an organisation uh, involved in extortion, uh, racketeering, as they call it in America, and uh, certainly uh, the drugs trade. It's, it's, it's not, it may be transitioning, but it has remained involved in those other aspects of what we would call the underworld down here without a doubt and but they've, they've seen the effect of it i mean you, you drive along if you i drove you along the newton Arch road the inner city part of east belfast you'll see the shops all closed because the uvf extorted money mm. from the people who were struggling to keep the doors open in the shop eventually they closed up you know uh, it is very much was a, a it became a mafia organization very quickly with the troubles and it produced a, a violence. I remember my my colleague Martin Dillon, the, who wrote about the Shankle Butchers and and the Dirty War. Uh, Martin told me in recent years that he interviewed a, a top uh, psychiatrist at one of the, the the hospitals who was telling him they were closing uh, one of the psychiatric wards at the Royal Hospital in Belfast. And Martin asked why, and he said, well, we've no patients. And he said, why have you no patients? He said, well, they're all in the paramilitary groups <laughs> uh, defending their communities. So that created a role mm -hmm. for for people who should have been locked away in a psychiatric ward. And they, uh, they were maybe on the fringes of society. They join these groups, they become a killer, and they're suddenly a hero, a local hero. So uh, all of that added to the mayhem that became the Troubles. Yep. It's fascinating stuff. So, I mean, can we say, was this uh, step down or this, you know, cleaning up as such, this public cleaning of the organisation, which you believe involved some sort of communication between the, the Irish governments and, and the UK governments? Is it just for show? Is it just for face? Or does Bunter Graham and Harry Stockman have a clear path to the future for a UVF that is, you know, does anyone believe they're slowly well, sh sh I shaking I, off? I believe, and I've studied them for a long time, the John, Bunter Graham, Harry Stockman. I've, I believe they realise there is no other show in town. The, the, the crucial thing is, the, the, if we leave aside any dissident Republicans, the, the mainstream Republicanism has accepted the reality of partition, and that immediately reduces uh, a counter-reaction -react on, the, on the loyalist side. I think John Graham and Harry Stockman realise that, and the only way forward is peaceful coexistence, and that's what we'll have in the future. Extraordinary. Shortly. Hugh Jordan, thank you very much. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on.
Do not consume the Sunday world if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday world responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.